Welcome to episode one of Into Action, brought to you by Touchstone Recovery Center. Today we talk to Kenny Ellibrot, our lead behavioral health technician at our residential treatment center. He's an alumni and he's a good friend of mine. Let's get into it. Getting to know Kenny has been a pleasure over the last few years, and I know that you know things can change pretty quickly for us when we're when we're in our recovery. And from day one that that we first met to today, well over two years later, you know it's it's like a different person sitting in front of me. Um, welcome, Kenny. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me, Nolan. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to have you here. Um, you know talking about our the process and the way that we go from day one to day four or five hundred of our friendship and and as you've progressed in your recovery I've, I've gotten to know you pretty well but there's there's a lot of things that um, I think are important about your journey I think like knowing what the catalyst was that that got you into treatment and got you in, engaged in your recovery would be really important for for us to all know all right so. I'll start with, um, I, I became an addict and alcoholic at a young age. Um, I, I went through uh, early 20s um, where I knew something was, was off with me. Um, I went to treatment, though, back, back in uh, 1998 to uh, pacify my parents. Um, I needed a place to live when I was discharged from the military. So I learned a little bit in there, but... Like the disease of addiction, um, I truly thought I was just too immature. I turned 21 in rehab. Um, so that lies, like I told myself, was one day I'll be able to drink like a normal yeah. person. Um, fast forward <clears throat> to uh, 27 years old, and I broke my back. Um, I broke my back on a dirt bike accident, and I got um, hooked on pain pills. Um, at the time, I was still battling with alcohol, where I could get three months of sobriety on my own, um, up to six months at yeah. the time. Just white knuckling it. Yes, yeah. going to work. You know, I, I put my my attention fully on my family. Um, I was I was married in 2000, had my first child in 2000, my second. Um, I had my daughter in 2002. Mm-hmm. So. Really, from 2000 to 2005, um, I would get three, you know, basically two months, three months was the norm, uh, go on like a weekend bender. Was that intentional? Like, or did you, did you go to meetings? Did you have a sponsor or did you just say, I'm quitting and try to quit? Yeah, I would basically just appease my wife. Um, I would have, you know, a rough spell, um, dabbling in, in drugs and drinking to where I wanted to quit. Yeah, um, I would tell myself I would never drink again. You know, on the way to work with the hangover, um, and then drink again that night. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, it was something like I I didn't want the I guess the best way to describe it is um, I already felt the negative effects alcohol and drugs were having on my life. Um, I, my entire life, I always wanted to be married and have a, have children of my own. Um, so and a career. And I had all of that at the time. So um, trying to, to maintain um, the career, the family, and be a, a good father, mm-hmm. and alcohol and, and drugs were really like taken away from that. Yeah. So how, how quickly after you hurt your back did you find that you were addicted to the opiates? I'm assuming they were opiates they, they prescribed you. Yeah. So 
I knew. So this is how it went. Um, I had emergency surgery. Um, I declined all medication um, after surgery because I was still living a little bit of a lie. Because when I broke my back, I had relapsed the night before. So I had six months of sobriety. I drank. Nobody knew I drank. Um, the next morning, I jumped my dirt bike. I made a bad decision due to the like mental fog. Yeah. Um, you know, just not thinking clearly with the hangover. Broke my back. Um, nobody knew. So nobody knew you you had, had relapsed. Yeah. Okay. So no one knew I drank. Um, and then so I'm in surgery. I get out of surgery. Um, I go to physical therapy, like uh, a residential physical therapy place for a week, and um, I declined the Norco's. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, nope, I'm an alcoholic. I can't have those. Um, so I fought really from uh, March of 2005 until um, November of 2007, I did not take pain pills. Um, and then I had an orthoscopic knee surgery and um, I was prescribed Norco. And uh, when I took those, um, it didn't make my knee feel any better, but it made my back feel better. And instantly it was like, yep. I just, I, I was, I had just started taking them like a day, maybe two days into going back to work and I wanted more. Yeah. Yeah, with those, with, with especially the prescription opiates, that's you know, that starts off innocently usually. Like you take it for the right reasons, the doctor prescribes it, and then within a, a week or two, like you can't go without them. At least that's that was part of my story. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how long did you struggle with opiates before you, you got into treatment and tried to get sober? So 2007 um, to 2019. Um, it's 12 years. Yeah. So on, on year, I would say around year 11, um, it was clear to all my family that I had a problem. Um, I went ahead and, um, and basically admitted I had a pill problem at that time. Um, I was buying them. I I had my own prescriptions, um, several different kinds at this point, um, along with buying anything and everything I could off the street. Yep. And, um, I had enough money to buy them at the time. I mean, I had the money. I just couldn't find the pills. So I, I basically threw up a white flag and um, said I needed help. Yeah. And yeah. I know. So you went to treatment in 2019. Um, I, in two, oh, sorry. In 2018, uh-huh. I went to the doctor. Okay. And I told the doctor I had a pill problem and told him what I was doing. So okay. he took my prescription from me. So then you started buying them illegally so 100% then I of the time. started using heroin. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So when you went to treatment in 2019, because I know when I met you, um, it was 2021, I believe, maybe even 2020. But when I met you, um, you'd been to treatment a few times. You know, you'd, you'd struggled on and off. Um, you know, what would you say was, like, what was the turning point? Because when, when I saw you turn that corner and start, like, engaging in your recovery and you know, I hasn't. It hasn't been a like linear since then. It hasn't been perfect since the day I met you, which it, it isn't for any of us. Like, you know, it's always a bumpy road. But um, like, what what changed you? Like, what what made it to where you know, or I guess you learned what works and what doesn't. And um, like, I don't know what I guess. Explain to me what your why is. Like, what what happened? Yeah. So for me, I kept. I wanted. Uh, a sober life. I wanted recovery. Um, I was still confused on how to obtain it. 
Um, I was starting to do better and better, um, meaning longer stretch of recovery or sober time in between relapses. Um, however, there's too many. Um, and finally, um, a lot of people put their foot down and um, they basically said I, I needed to get out of town. And um, so I did. I went down to Orange County um, and I feel like that was really instrumental um, getting away from from my area here in Fresno, Tulare. And um, and then that's when I met you. Um, I remember <laughs> I, I wanted to come back uh, to Fresno so bad and, and I didn't know like if they were going to let me. So for the first time in my life, um, I decided while I was in Orange County that I was just going to take the suggestions. Um, I. I didn't. I heard rumblings that they're going to send me to all sorts of places. I wanted to come back to Fresno, and I realized that my best decisions wind me up in a hospital or in treatment. And uh, their best decisions were feeding me meals and loving on me in a way I didn't know how to love myself. So I got a call saying I was going to go to Touchdown Recovery Center and talk to this guy named Nolan. And um, I had already heard about you. Um, from Scotty when I was at my time. So I felt like um, my my connection with my time is significant as well. Um, I really trusted Scotty. So hearing him talk about you in the, in the past with me, um, I felt like I could trust you before I even met you. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I came down to, to Fresno. Uh, well, we had a phone call while I was down in Orange County. Um, you sounded upbeat and positive. I, I told you my concerns about not just treatment, but sober living. And uh, you assured me I had nothing to worry about, that um, just come down and we'll take it from there. Um, when I met you, I remember you came out, you either gave me a hug or a high five. and uh, Probably both. Maybe. <laughs> but it, it's one of those things, like, um, for me, I'll never forget walking through the doors, uh, meeting with you. Um, hearing Dr. Battle's voice, um, someone that I had known before from, from treatment as well, and, um, and then meeting Alan and doing an intake with them and just sharing stories while we're doing the intake, I felt at home. Like yeah. it wasn't, I, I wasn't walking into a place where people were just trying to jot stuff down in a computer or a piece of paper. They were relating to me and making me feel like I was normal for the first time. Yeah, I, I think... A lot of treatment centers are, are very similar, right? At least the, the messages that we're conveying and like the, the services we offer are very similar. So, you know, Touchstone is, is very similar to many other treatment facilities, except the difference is the staff. You know, we have, I, I feel like the staff is what makes a treatment center great or good or not so good. And um, yeah, we're, we're pretty lucky to have, have staff members that, have lived it, so we have that lived experience. But then we also have the, you know, the the background, the education that, that we need to to help clients get better. So with that being said, you know, you definitely have the the lived experience. Um, you know, you've been you've been um, going to classes and got your rad T. And recently, I guess not so recently, about eight months ago, started working at Touchstone Recovery Center as now you're the lead behavioral health tech at our inpatient. Um, what do you think your like your experience has brought to the table when you work with with newcomers with clients that come into the facility? I just I relate to them the same way. Like the the way I felt when I got to Touchstone, um, I feel like I relate with them. Um, I, I meet them where they're at, 
Um, don't expect anything from them, whatever, whatever they're going through. Typically, I've been through. Um, and it's like a, it's a compassion or a empathy that um, I don't think you can get without the experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've, I've noticed like in, in my years working in this field, it's, it's, it's like a, an advantage that, that we have that it, it feels odd to call it an advantage, but like the, the trenches that we lived in for so long and like the suffering that we put ourselves and our families through that, that can be used to our advantage now, now that we're sober, right? Yeah. Uh, those are things that that make us relatable to the newcomer. Those are things that make make people like trust you because you've actually been there. You know, I I think I think that's valuable, and that that's I think that's why um, you're the lead behavioral health tech is because you're you're able to convey that message. Um, what advice would you give to someone who's who's struggling with addiction and and like needs to needs to change their life but just doesn't know how to reach out for help. Um, and the, the shame and guilt is, I think, the hardest to overcome. So it's a, we deal with the disease and, and reminding myself that there, there's several supporting factors that, that can teach me that it's a disease because I want to believe it's not a disease. Um, you know, it's a, it's a disability that the state of California is willing to pay you time off work. Um, it's got to, in order to be classified as a disease, um, it's got to be incurable, progressive, and deadly, and it meets all the criteria. So I try and relate to people and let them know, like, it's not a moral failing. It's, um, it's something that we need to treat. Um, the shame and guilt alone, like I said, it, it's what's weighed me down. I always felt like I should have done things better or different. Um, but the one thing that I know, like, that I did perfectly is I never gave up. Yep. Yeah, there's a saying I, I like that you just reminded me of. It's like as long as you're pointed in the right direction, you can walk, right? There's It doesn't matter how fast you go. It doesn't matter if you fall down. As long as you're pointed in the right direction, just keep going. Yep. Yeah. Um, how do you stay sober these days? Like what, what what's your routine? <laughs> it's all over the place right now. Um, but, yeah, I, I pray and meditate. Um, I meet with my sponsor. Um, I go to an accountability uh, men's meeting once a week. Um, I go to the gym a lot. Um, I love to listen to music, and um, I interact with. Um, I live a. I live and manage a sober living, and um, I interact the best I can with with the housemates and stay busy, stay active in the community, um, and and really like when it comes to to the rest of my life, my like my family. Um, I just, I enjoy every time I get an opportunity to show up today. And, you know, I, I try not to take anything for granted. Um, and when things bother me, I try and let people know that, you know, I'm upset or why. And usually I find out that it's my fault. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you work with a sponsor. You, you yeah. go to meetings. How, how often do you go to meetings? And um, how often do you work with your sponsor? So right now um, I meet my sponsor once a week. Um, usually it's the accountability men's meeting that I go to on Tuesday nights. Um, I, um, I average five meetings a week. Um, maybe, you know, sometimes a little bit less, but I average five. Um, and it's usually with, with other, um, members from our sponsor sponsee group and, or, 
um, the, the sober living and touchstone and yeah. the, the alumni is the current clients. Um, I think meeting with a sponsor and going to meetings is, is really important for, for a lot of us. I know that there's no one size fits all way to treat addiction. And I, I don't think that everyone needs or ev- everyone would buy into going to five meetings a week or everyone would meet with their sponsor once a week. But I know if, if that's what it takes for me, I'm going to freaking do it. And if that's what it takes for you, you should keep doing it. Um, there's a couple counselors here at Touchstone that, you know, they don't really prescribe to the 12-step model and it's, it's not their, their um, favorite recovery program. And, and that's okay. You know, I, I always try to tell people that whatever works for you is what you should do. And I damn sure know that we know what doesn't work because we're here. <laughs> we're, we're either in treatment or we work in treatment for a reason, right? So I, I think learning what doesn't work for you is, is really hard. Yeah. It sucks. You lose your job. You lose your wife. You lose money. You lose your freedom. Um, but then when you find what works for you, stick to it, you know, just stick to it. Yeah, I think, like you said, consistency. Um, if if my schedule, like I said, my schedule's a little bit off, but if if I get out of balance, I feel it today. Yeah. Um, and the other thing was being of service. Um, I do um, have a commitment meeting to where I'm the secretary. And in early recovery, that helped me tremendously. Yeah. Um, there were times where even if I didn't want to use, I just wanted to go like to check on my brother, which is in in active addiction. Um, I knew that if I went and checked on him, that I probably wouldn't make it back in time to open the doors for the meeting. So the meeting itself, um, I've been secretarying it for um, nine months, mm-hmm. and probably five times that meeting has saved me from making a bad decision and leaving town. Yeah. Yeah, um, we have up on the wall here in, at Touchstone. We have your decision, decisions reveal your priorities, mm-hmm. which that that was one of um, Lewis's sayings that he picked out. But it, it's true, especially when we know what's not good for us. You know, we we know that hanging out with our brother or our best friend from the old days that's still using or drinking that's not a good idea. <laughs> that's a risky, high risk yeah. situation. Absolutely. So, like making those decisions is it's. I know I don't do it, and I have years of sobriety. Like I, I don't hang out with my brother or my one of one of my brothers that's active in in his alcoholism, or you know my old friends from the days when I was using it. Those I just I can't do that. I can't risk my sobriety over it. I can't risk my job, my wife, my my happiness. Yeah. You know, so it, it sucks because we have to cut a lot of ties. But I think it's necessary in a lot of cases. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's um. You hear when you get here, right? You hear the only thing that has to change is everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a class the other night where I was reviewing my notes from basically six months ago, and um, I put a list together of what I needed to do to stay sober. And at the time, I'm in treatment, and um, well, it was six months six months in the class, so it was about nine months ago, okay, that I made this list. Um, everything that I wrote. I have done. And I was like, wow, I actually did it this time. Yep. I didn't just say it. I mean it when I say it, but then when life starts getting better, you forget. Like you forget what gave you that good life and you kind of walk you kind of separate yourself from the program. Yeah. But now today I, I I do my best to stay connected, stay in the program and keep trudging, you know. 
Um, and like you said earlier with the staff, um, I was thinking about on the way here. Um, I remember when I met Lewis. Um, I don't remember the date, um, but I remember where where I met him and how. And I remember the date that I met Yannick. And um, at that time, that was the entire staff of, of Touchstone. And um, that's how impactful it was for me. Yep. Yeah, we have good people here. Yep. We're lucky. Yep. Well, thanks, Kenny, man. I'm, I'm really glad you, you came by today. And um, I love you, buddy. And I, I'm proud of you. Thank you. Love you, too.